Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. God chastens whom he loves. Hebrews twelve six says, For whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. The Lord can bring victory out of that which may seem to us discomfiture and defeat. We are in danger of forgetting God, of looking at the things which are seen, instead of beholding by the eye of faith the things which are unseen. When misfortune or calamity comes, we are ready to charge God with neglect or cruelty. If he sees fit to cut off our usefulness in some line, we mourn not stopping to think that thus God may be working for our good. We need to learn that chastisement is a part of his great plan and that under the rod of affliction, the Christian may sometimes do more for the master than when engaged in active service. The work of gaining salvation is one of co-partnership, a joint operation. There is to be cooperation between God and the repentant sinner. This is necessary for the formation of right principles in the character. Man is to make earnest efforts to overcome that which hinders him from attaining to perfection. But he is wholly dependent upon God for success. Human effort of itself is not sufficient. Without the aid of divine power, it avails nothing. God works and man works. Resistance of temptation must come from man, who must draw his power from God. On the one side, there is infinite wisdom, compassion, and power. On the other, weakness, sinfulness, absolute helplessness. God wishes us to have the mastery over ourselves, but he cannot help us without our consent and cooperation. The divine spirit works through the powers and faculties given to man. I wanted to just comment real quick on that sentence that said that we may sometimes do more for the master when we are under affliction than when engaged in active service. It makes one wonder what it is that we are doing. And I believe that what's happening is, is inside of ourself, of our character. And that, that for him, that means more to him than some activity that we can go do in a flurry that it matters to him about our character development. What is the 1828 Noah Webster's Dictionary definition of the word scourgeth? It is to whip severely, to lash. Then we read that the Lord can bring victory out of circumstances that feel like defeat. Is this how we are scourged and whipped? through the circumstances that come that feel like defeat? Our verses seems to say that difficult circumstances are allowed by God to work with us, developing our willing surrender and obedience. It's the way that he worked with Israel through the wilderness. His testings and trials are not child's play. The developing of our character is apparently life and death, eternal life or eternal death. What's, what, is that what you understand as well? Um, so it helps us, it takes a sting out of the difficulties we face. When we read in um, the complete Jewish Bible, Hebrews 12, 1, we're told to put aside every impediment that
that is the sin which easily hampers our forward movement, and keep running with endurance in the contest set before us. Verse 2, then, of Hebrews 12, gives us the experience of Jesus as an example, who, in exchange for obtaining the joy that was set before him, endured execution on a stake, scorning the shame of it. His victory is for us, and though he won the victory over sin and Satan, it appears he wants to do more than forgive our sins by his shed blood. I think we can infer from all that we read that he also wants to develop our character, which is the way that God's glory is revealed in us. We can find that in Exodus 34, 6 or 7, when Moses asked to see God's glory, God declared his name and his character traits. We are to reveal him, as Paul says in Colossians 1, 27, God will make known to us the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ's character in us is uh, revealing the glory of God and the glory of Christ. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He's in charge of what happens to us. Verse 3 says to look to him so we don't become weary and faint in our mind. And verse 4 tells us that we have not resisted unto blood against sin. The joy of the Lord is our strength. This joy that was set before him and for which he endured will encourage our hearts, knowing that he will complete the work that he has begun. Our part is to trust and walk with him. We are not at enmity with God, nor in open rebellion against him, and we will not have absolute perfection. Only God has absolute perfection. We will be perfect as we grow steadily more like him at each stage. Perfect, or the word meaning can be interpreted as mature and complete. We are complete in him. We are perfect in him. We can have peace when trials come. We can ask in childlike trust for him to help us solve our problems. We can do what we can, and then we can leave it in his hands. How many times has the answer come at the last minute of our test? Yet it comes, and our faith is strengthened. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never means never. 1 Peter 1, 7-9 is the promise I want to read this morning. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that is that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, ye believing, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Dear Jesus, we stand amazed at your commitment to bring us through to victory over sin and selfishness, at your willingness to give all for every one of us. I ask for the heart of each of those who are with me here this morning to have the comfort of your presence through our trials. 
and the confidence of victory at the end because of you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I invite you to join me again tomorrow morning for a few minutes as we read promises and contemplate and have prayer together before we begin our day.